Hey everybody, it's time for the Attack of the Killer podcast slumber party! First one to fall asleep, we steal their bra and put it in the freezer. I'm looking at you, Jason. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. I'm your host, Insane Mike, and this episode we're going to do one of our world-famous commentary track episodes. Uh, We're going to be doing Slumber Party Massacre. Now, where is the year-ender episode, you ask? Our um, annual Attack of the Killer podcast award show. Well, we're going to leave you in suspense just one more episode longer. As we uh, uh, finish tallying up the votes um, on on the award show, so that's coming. Don't worry. But we thought we'd have a little bit of after. They sounded worried. I know they did. <laughs> see the, the the Facebook just get lit up right now. Where is it? Where is it? But we thought we'd have a little bit of after holiday fun and all get together and have a sleepover. Yay! <laughs> so let me introduce you to. The podcast crew, wearing his pink sweatpants that say "juicy" on the butt, and dancing around and lip syncing to Justin Bieber, Jason Bollinger. I have Bieber fever. I can't help it. Hi, everybody. Next up, the only girl, the only girl on all male sleepover. You know what they call those type of girls? Awesome. Awesome. Terry Turford. Yeah, I thought you were going to say me. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, he's the master of spin the bottle with himself. It's Justin Beam. <laughs> oh my god, that is so true. you gotta, you, you got to make new I, business cards to say that. Yeah, that's all it's going to say, is just that. What the fuck do I need a bio? What am I talking about? Thanks, Mike. Good to be here, guys. Love you all. <laughs> Uh, hey, so yeah, so we're doing a commentary for um, Slumber Party Massacre, one of the great 80s slashers of all time. Um, but I do have some killer news if we want to uh, do oh, some killer okay. news real quick. Now it's time for Killer News. Ripped straight from the headlines on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Our top story tonight is the uh, the announcement of Godzilla Resurgence, Toho's latest incarnation of Godzilla, uh, where Japanese the, where Japan is feeling the need to show America how to do a Godzilla movie again. You guys seen the uh, they, they had some uh, some pictures released. You guys see those? Yeah. I didn't want to click on it because it said something about spoilers. Oh, yeah. Oh, I guess I didn't look at the right ones then because the only one I saw was like kind of <laughs> what Godzilla looks like now. I had seen the initial teaser trailer, which looked amazing. Oh, yeah? I seen that. No, uh-uh. it's, It doesn't, it's just basically just panic in the streets, but it looked really, really good. Sweet. 
sweet. Well, I'm always excited when Toho gets back into the Godzilla game. But this, so this happened last time America did a Godzilla movie. It's like, <laughs> oh, ah, we yeah. don't like your Godzilla. We're just going to do another 20 Godzilla movies. And then we'll retire again until America makes another one. And there were a few notable filmmakers for this one, too. I think one of the guys from Attack on Titan was involved, maybe. Something like that. Or and, Yeah. I, I guess well, the way I was reading it is like Godzilla. Godzilla's look is a little more kind of inspired from that, from Attack on Titan. So. Yeah. <clears throat> he looks a little fleshier this time around. <laughs> He's very meaty. Yeah. Meaty chunks. Also in the news, it's a sad day where the uh, this is past. Saturday, Ash vs. Evil Dead, final episode of the season. Leading uh, horror fans to ask, now what are we going to do with our Saturday nights? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Did you get to watch it yet, Terry? The I last did, one? yes. Yeah. I, I kind of thought, yeah, that's a good way to end it. It is, yeah, it's great. It leaves it so open-ended for... Mm-hmm. The next season, which has already been pegged, it's happening. So, actually, yeah. they already said that it was renewed before the season even started. So, awesome. Very awesome. Yeah, I just, I loved the whole series. The whole so series. Good. Amazing. Every episode. Gold. It's, it's basically, you know, every, fans were wanting the Evil Dead 4, and this was it, just in a show form. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better storyline. I thought it was awesome. And in great loving tribute to the uh, to the uh, other Evil Dead movies, did you guys mm-hmm. notice the Freddy Krueger glove and the uh, the fruit I cellar? S- I didn't notice it while I was watching, but I saw someone post something about it. I'm like, oh my god, that's yep. awesome! Total homage to that whole rivalry between Sam and Wes Craven in the yeah. 80s. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And you finally got your Army of Darkness tie-in. Yeah, yeah. A little. I, I mean, that was kind of my whole beef so far. With like, I'm just waiting for them to acknowledge the Army of Darkness part of the story storyline, and they never have until like, you know, that moment there where she's talking about him being the chosen one and showing that picture from the book of him standing mm-hmm. there with the boomstick. Amongst the uh, the knights and everything, so there was even a, a small homage to the remake. I well, I mean, I, that's what, how I took it with the girl and the nails. <coughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I kind of was, I kind of was getting that vibe too a little bit. Yeah, around that, because, I around mean, that it's moment. The same, it's the same producers. Yeah. Rob Tappert and Sam Raimi produced that that remake, and they're doing the show as well. So. I, would still... I took it as being a deliberate thing. I thought yeah. it was an homage to Hellraiser myself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I thought it was an homage to bad CGI. So. Oh. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm, I would still love for the day to come when like they they tie that movie into the whole Ash universe somehow. I still think it could be done. Cool. Um, 
And then uh, that's all I really had for news. Um, I kind of jotted down some of the big, bigger titles coming out for 2016, if we want to run through those. The 22nd of this month, The Boy uh, releases. Yeah. No? Oh, yeah. The I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> I do. It looks good. And it's got I mean, I'll your... watch it, but I don't want to. It's got What's Your Face from Walking Dead in it, and she's hot. So. <laughs> Lauren Condor. Is it? No, that's not the right name. I don't know. <laughs> I don't mess with names. Revolving door of my bedroom. I don't have time for names. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies comes out February fifth. Yes. I imagine you're pretty stoked for that one. I'm pretty excited yes. for it too. <laughs> so pumped. Nina Forever on February twelfth. Have you guys anybody heard of this one? Mm-hmm. What? Nina Forever? Yeah, that sounded awesome. Oh yeah? What's the bat? What's that? You know. <laughs> Oh. Oh. No, um, I mean, like, why are you making me tell me? You know what it's about. I don't. I really don't. Oh, it's it's like this guy that I can't I can't remember if the girlfriend died or whatever, and so every time he he moves on and tries to have sex with another girl, she shows up and just uh, doesn't attack or anything, but like lays there and like she's all bloody and. And like, keep. Well, I think only he can see her, and, oh. and like, keeps him from moving on. Interesting. And and the picture I saw from it was really hot, actually. Well, was, yeah, two two him in bed with two chicks, and one of them was covered in blood. Yeah, yeah. I've I've seen that pic too. Yeah, I read it a little. Mm, that sounds mm-hmm. sexy. Yeah, it does. Twenty <laughs> sixth February, The Witch. I haven't really heard much on that. April 1st, The Green Room. Don't know much on that one. Sequel to Green Inferno? No. Okay. Actually, I think it's... Um, uh, I'm, I can't even begin to dig in my brain far enough back to try to remember. Anyway, it's got... Um, the only thing I can remember off the top of my head has got Patrick Stewart in it. So. And apparently Anton Yelchin, who I also really enjoy. Uh, April 15th, Amityville... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, you're fine. Amityville, The Awakening. Which, well, they they were playing the trailers pretty hot and heavy there during Krampus time. We saw the trailer for that beginning of Krampus. It looked good. It did look pretty cool. <clears throat> June 10th, Conjuring 2, Infield yeah. Poltergeist. Whatever that means. I don't know. Um, July 22nd. Now, I'm interested about this one. Lights Out. Now, that may not mean anything to you guys, but the picture they had of it, I instantly recognized it, so I had to read the synopsis. It's a full-length version inspired by that that video that was going around online there for the longest time of with uh, the woman that would... Turn the light on, and then there was somebody down the hall. Uh, turned the light no. off, and it was gone. Yeah, Stop and then that. That, that final shot turned turned the light on, and there's that 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 creature, big smile face creature, right there at the lamp uh. that turns the light back off. And that's the image they had uh, for this title. I hate so that stuff. I know a full length version of switching lights on and off. Awesome. 
And then there was Rob Zombie's 31, which still doesn't have a release date. And then Leatherface, which still doesn't have a release date. But those are the bigger titles that I picked up on coming out this year. So, you know, there'll be a thousand more than that. So I'm not worried. It'll be another good year for horror. All right. Hmm? I just said sweet. Yes. You guys ready to do this? Give some commentary in? Hell yeah. All right. So those out there listening at home, we got the movies queued up on black right before it fades into the opening title of the movie. And if we are all ready, I'll count down from four. Hundred. Just, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking scam. All right, and four, three, two, one, play. Stop it, Brody Mesger. Giant pineapple. <laughs> All right, Mike. So when you were when you were uh, a young lad, first getting into actually everybody participating here, what were your first slasher movies that you remember seeing? Oh man, the first slashers I remember seeing. Anybody else want to take that? Mine was definitely um, Friday Thirteenth on USA. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Mine probably was. Like during one of their marathons that they used to do? I think so. I mean, I remember seeing them a lot. It's a vivid memory of like, get your asses to bed and then, and don't turn that TV on after we leave. And then we'd get <laughs> back up and watch TV nice. every night. And you need like, Friday 13th was on and it was just, I remember it being just so brutal and real and like, just. You know, there just weren't people killing people like that before. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I'm just hiding my head all the time. And that's the one I remember. Mine wouldn't have been from USA because I had, like, two channels when I lived out in the country. But for some reason, that Kevin Bacon scene was just... I always remembered that scene as being one of the first things I'd seen in a slasher movie. For me, it was probably Halloween 1 and 2 were the first ones I saw where things really clicked for me. But when you mentioned the Kevin Bacon thing, um, I distinctly remember as a young, young child, and I used to have a small black and white television in my room. Oh, boobs. Sorry, hold on. Hold on. (laughs) But I always distinctly remember the trailers for these movies when I was little, and the trailers would terrify the hell out of me. And for the longest time, I always remembered the trailer of somebody, something from underneath the bed reaching around and grabbing somebody. And, of course, that made me terrified of what the hell was under the bed. But I could not remember. I, I had no idea for the longest time. I never stuck around long enough to catch the titles of these movies when it came to the trailers coming on TV. I would try to quickly change the channel. So, <clears throat> um, it wasn't for... Decades later, I realized it was Friday 13th Part 1. 
What about you, Justin, since you uh, brought up the question? I don't know. I was thinking about it as you were talking. I don't. I think that Halloween 2 was such a pivotal th- moment for me mm-hmm. in that regard. <clears throat> I mean, that led to Halloween 1. And I'm one that, once I started watching this stuff, that I read up on everything I get my hands on. And that led me directly to this film. And that's why I brought it up, is just because early, like in the video rental world, this thing was everywhere. Yeah. This is one of those movies that was on in every single video store. And it was something of a rite of passage as a kid to see this movie because, you know, it was the, the promise of the sex and the, you know, the violence and all that, whatever. I mean, it, it was, it's the perfect hybrid of all the elements that are exploitative that film at this time was all about preying upon and so what you know whether it delivers or not it it is when it's sitting on the on the shelf it sells itself to you especially as a as a teenager as like a young kid and i distinctly remember renting this and sorority house massacre in the same night and and i got them i got them from farmore in cedar rapids <clears throat> iowa which was you know i'm sure i've gushed about farmore before on here that place was the ultimate video rental place in the area and I forever then afterwards had this and sorority house completely mixed up in my mind all my, <laughs> my, my memories of the two it was just like what the fuck and then finally I got the DVDs many years later with that um, Corm, the new Concord or whatever Corman had that uh, was, there was a DVD series of a bunch of his stuff being reissued mm-hmm, yeah. not in great packaging not even good transfers necessarily but when that came out, then I rediscovered these, and that was such a big moment for me because I didn't own the VHS for this one, but I certainly rented it a lot when I was younger. And this is one of them that sort of, for me, wrote the book on this stuff. This and Prom Night, Sorority House Massacre were the ones that were my sort of entry drugs into the world outside the sort of more quote-unquote mainstream, already franchised films that I first met. <clears throat> Yeah, it was kind of the same for me too. After getting catching the bug of of horror, of just trying to watch everything I could, and so it's hard to remember like exactly which ones came first and whatnot. But I I do remember watching part two in this series before seeing one. And I don't know how that came about. I think I had a lot to do with like. I had one friend, his parents would go away for the weekend, so I'd spend the weekend at his house and we'd just, we'd walk into town and rent a bunch of movies and then just stay up all night watching movies. So sometimes what we picked was by committee, so. She's screwed. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of those cordless yeah. like, industrial drills that everyone's so in love with, right? <laughs> right. Uh-huh. It was so common back then that people just could... Oh, I can go uh-huh. anywhere with this. <laughs> I don't have to plug this in. Fuck you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk around the lawn. <laughs> Wait, I don't think they had cordless. Or murder people. Hey, you know what, Jason? Suspend. It's just- funny that you said what you did say, because until this movie started, I thought we were watching Sorority House. Yeah, for a second I'm like This isn't what I Oh, okay I had got them confused too That's pretty fun 
Come on, Valerie. Fuck. Shoot it. Jesus. So, this, uh, the movie was written by Rita Mae Brown, and the original script for this was supposed to be a parody of slashers. But when they made the movie, they just, uh... Realized how fun it was. They just took it... I mean, there's still a lot of comedy in this movie, a lot of comedy, but the the satire aspect got lost, I guess. And it just became a traditional slasher. Yeah, it's pretty interesting that it's also directed by a female, Amy Jones. These A few of these seminal horror films and series had so much to do with that, and they're often criticized for being exploitative of women and like especially this one you're about to see one of the scenes that people are critical of in this picture here but i mean i don't how do you guys feel about that like in terms of nudity in these films do you think it is I've got no problem with it well uh, yeah of course, <laughs> let him finish but, his question <laughs> but my question is you know here's this film it could have been directed by anyone and that's my argument about any film is that it doesn't matter what the sex of the director is people make a big deal about oh the slasher cycle and all that it's a bunch of you know knuckle dragging males who just want to take advantage of women and their bodies and things like that but here we are with a female director doing very much the same thing the nightmare on elm street franchise is produced by rachel who went on to do tank girl and some other things and so what are your thoughts on that about like here we are a absolutely gratuitous shot of just <laughs> ass like you pan down just for the ass yeah, what was the point of that shot? There was no point other than to show yeah. I think to an extent, all directors in this time knew that sex would sell. And with it being a female, I think maybe they tried to play it to, oh, these are women and they're powerful and let's empower them. It doesn't matter if they're naked, that kind of a thing. But Well, maybe the true exploitation of this particular film. I always felt like this film series, more than most really got looked down upon for being exploitive against women. And, you know, and you can see it yeah. for sure, but I think maybe the true exploitation was probably in the fact that, because all three of these in the series is directed by women, and I don't think that that was probably by mistake. You know, because you know, you know Roger Corman is, like, giving notes, like, you got to have this in it, you got to have this in it. You know, and I wouldn't think that director would be like yeah we should probably pan down and get a nice close-up shot of this girl's ass if it wasn't for the fact that she was probably told to be doing that stuff and this and with this series you know even beyond just the nudity i mean there's just so much else going on here you know the use of the drill in in this franchise and how Mm -hmm. phallic it's portrayed and all that I mean, this the, this whole film series got a lot of heat for for that kind of stuff. It yeah, but the, and my argument to that would be not an argument, but my point to add to what you're saying is that these films portray men largely as uh, idiots. Not, and that's not a bad thing at all. I mean, my my point is that to those who say that the film is exploitative of women i mean if anything it's it's mocking men and and this whole series is that way because the the cast are women they're populated with women and that's that's a similar thing to like in nightmare sisters in a lot of other films that people point at and go ah exploitation 
Oh, these are all exploitation. Let's just cross that bridge right now. That if it's yeah. a, if it's a a horror film, it's it's going to involve a lot of exploitation elements, and um, the the true st- fact is that a majority of these films and and slasher cinema as a whole, men are are idiots. It's mm-hmm. the women who are strong and empowered, and that yeah. that that crosses all franchises, not just this one. But th- these casts are populated with women. Yes, the 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 evil doer is a male but ultimately he's neutered i mean he he's very literally castrated in a way later in the picture and throughout a lot of it he's getting his ass handed to him it's a lot like friday the 13th part 2 which yeah. i think may be the most realistic portrayal of what a, a sort of backwoods madman in that franchise would be like because jason spends half the movie on his ass <laughs> yeah. he does he gets oh, yeah. he gets his ass kicked for like 40% of the running time and <clears throat> these movies are the same way. Like, this guy is in pursuit, but really it's about these girls. And I like that. I like that a lot. And Halloween did a very similar thing. And the Halloween franchise did a very similar thing where it, it was all about girls. It was a story of girls. And yet it doesn't matter because it's just a story that matters. Yeah. You know, that's the most important thing of all. So... Uh, much, so much has been made of the fact that these were directed by women, and I just find that interesting, and I think it's a worthy conversation pertaining to these films. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it matters, necessarily. Yeah, I mean, because I've, I've seen this film before, and I, until just now, didn't realize that it was directed or written by a woman. I might not have guessed that initially if you would have just asked me out of the blue. but Sure, yeah. It's weird. It, 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 it's as though men, and there's a, a general perception that, that only men latch on to exploitative aspects of, right. of, yeah. of movies, which, which is absolutely untrue. And the, that point was made just a minute ago. Sex sells. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. And when you're making a movie like this and you're wearing your, your budget on your, on your sleeve and you're just trying to make back what you can and do what you can with minimal means, you're wanting to grab any aspect you can. And so when you have no money for real special effects, when you don't have a bunch of great locations, when you can't disguise it as something other than California, you turn the camera on and you shoot. And, you, and, and so they've included a lot of elements that they know sell. And I think that's, that's the whole point of it all, is reading into it too much is reading into it too much. There's no need for that. Brink, no. FYI, Brink Stevens in a very early ro- role of hers here. Probably a seminal role in the development of her Scream Queen career, but it was like her first movie with actual dialogue. Man, now I can't stop thinking about how there's no chord on that fucking drip. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but it's so true. It is so true. It almost looks more like a like a jigsaw with a drill blade on it, though. It's weird. It's kind of like a jackhammer thing. It's, it is very odd. And a drill bit that big, why, when would that be it's practical? A, it's, <laughs> a, yeah. it's a hammer drill, is what it is. For, we had Jason, for, yeah. yeah, you know tools and I'm things. A, I'm a man. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's for drilling concrete, not flesh. Silly. <laughs> Such a fucking show-off, Jason. <laughs> I had to use one this year a lot. I always found it interesting. Yeah, what the kids call it these days? Go ahead, yep. sorry. Hammer drill. <laughs> oh, that's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me drill your cement. 
One of the things that always stood out for me in this movie is the fact that you get to see the killer right away, and he's yeah. not in a mask yeah. or anything like that. You get to see his face prominently not normal. within the first act of the movie. Yeah, it's, it's there's there's no mystery aspect to any of this. Yeah, and, and it is purely just, and, and I think that's probably part of the argument against these a film like this, is that it doesn't even offer the audience the chance to really think about what's happening. <laughs> like, there's no mystery <laughs> involved. Yeah. So you're just a, you're essentially sort of a voyeur. Is there even watching a, things happen? It now it's been a while. Is there even a backstory to this character? They don't know that they, they don't. They follow sort of the Halloween. Approach in this, and they don't explain it. But in the just a guy sequ- killing chicks. Yeah, in the sequel it's they explain, it. and also later Jim Wynorski tied it in. He made a movie called Cheerleader Massacre later that integrated a backstory involving footage from this movie that he and <laughs> it's this whole thing. And Brink Stevens is even in that one, and she's talking about this very scene right here. <laughs> if, if, so if you want a bizarro, oh, that's world an auger bit. I'm to, sorry. If you want a bizarro world tie-in to Slumber Party Massacre, check out Cheerleader Massacre, which has a cover that apes the cover of this, which is very iconic and also incredibly phallic. And then also, Jim intercuts, and it was made for um, Corman as well, so Corman owned the footage, of course. So he intercut this and made it part of his backstory for that film. (laughs) Completely mutating the sort of lineage of the whole thing. And I think he did the same thing with Sorority House Massacre 2, where he also used footage from this film and that one to explain that backstory. So movies unrelated to this movie have done more for the backstory than the movies itself. <laughs> <laughs> I love Cheerleader Massacre. That's a, that's a shitty fun movie. Yeah. It's just so bizarre on how... I mean, there's no disguising this guy at all. This and that was my big beef with the whole... Uh, what was that movie? The remake of Prom Night? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Minus any interesting elements, but the, the the movie starts and just like it, lay, it, it just hands you a platter of exactly what you need to it's know. Halloween, we're watching Halloween, Halloween moment, guys. yeah. Except it's actually a teenage girl as opposed to a little boy. Michael Myers has issues. Oh, you're talking about Jamie Lee. I'm like, what? Are, I know. What? I was like, wait, what? <laughs> when he's driving I've along, the kid, when he's oh. driving along, Tommy as he's walking on, it's like what? He doesn't actually approach Jamie till later, but of course he stalks Tommy for like a day. Anyway. Boobs. Guy's a ten. Yeah, he is. If you didn't figure it out, that shirt says. <laughs> a lot of big, bu- bigger budget pictures, like I mentioned earlier, so I can continue blowing hot air. Uh, they they tend to f- paint themselves as a place, like oh no, this is. This is Illinois, or oh, this is New York, or whatever. I love the fact that in a lot of these lower budget pictures, that they just 
they can't help but be wherever they are. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And so it gives you a, a look into areas that aren't normally filmed because they aren't particularly photogenic. Like, this is just average neighborhoods around L.A. is all that this is. This is exactly how those neighborhoods all sort of blend and look, and nothing particularly memorable. They're not looking for architecture. They're just probably shooting with whatever locations were available, and I think that's fantastic because it, it lends itself to an honesty with what's being presented. It doesn't feel as maybe staged and fake and perhaps more, you know, sort of Hollywood and cinematic, which I love about these. And that's what I love about all indie film. Mike, like you are so into the shot on VHS stuff. Mm -hmm. I've, I've long felt that that's part of the big appeal of the ultra low budget world of cinema is that it, it exists in the same worlds that we exist in as people watching it. Like, you know, like five, five, five or whatever it might be. Yeah. You watch these movies and it, it doesn't, Put a, put a facade on. There's no mask over it. It's just exactly what and where it is. And I think that's fantastic. Do you think, is that the case for you? Like, do you appreciate that aspect about low-budget filmmaking? Oh, yeah, for sure. They don't, they're not writing to, uh, you know, to be in any particular area. That It's not a concern just having it wherever it's at. Absolutely. Did anyone see that girl actually install the people in that door? I didn't. I'm just, I mean, she drilled through it, and then it was, like, instantly there in the next shot. Just. Oh, really? Yeah. Unless you can just screw it in there. I don't, I don't know how peepholes work, I guess. Oh, Mike. Eh. Mike Teller, <laughs> you're a. Eh. I know how glory holes work, but oh. not peepholes. Oh, sorry. That was such a good setup. You failed. <laughs> I thought glory hole would be more disgusting. If by is. glory hole you mean Jason goes to hell. <laughs> when I'm nervous, I play piano. This girl knows how to party when the parents are away. Time to pull up the piano. At the beginning, she's like, I'm 18, I'm an adult. I'm going to throw away all my toys. And that signifies that I'm an adult. And she does that thing that um, that I, I love in low-budget films when she puts the toys in the trash and how she... What I call um, bad, close-up, inanimate object acting where where she's blatantly, gently placing the, the bag of toys in the trash can because it's a close-up shot of the toys going into the trash can. That's not how you put trash in the trash can? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, because it's happened on our movies a hundred times. Like, people get a little overthink when they're having to move an inanimate object when it's a close-up shot of that inanimate object. Well, sure, yeah, because if, you if you're going to go throw something away, you're just going to toss it in there. You're not going to gently place it. Is that what you're <laughs> Yep, exactly. Out? Okay. Well, she had to put it in the right spot because he picks up the because Barbie. The, yeah, because the guy picks up the Barbie doll, yeah. Yeah. But then, but because of that, it, it's such an awkward movement of her placing that into the trash. Everybody's so much on edge in this movie. I mean, she's well, going to cut I, herself with that. Why is she freaking out right now? Is that 
Uh, she keeps feeling a presence. I don't... Woman's intuition. <laughs> That's exploitive. I'm sorry. She has really adult clothes for an 18-year-old. Yeah. Oh! She has a really ah! adult driver's license for an 18-year-old. That's where I keep and my kids. a very adult birth certificate for an 18-year-old. <laughs> is, is there a... Somewhere on YouTube where they've compiled all the cats jumping out of things <laughs> and put them in one... If not, there should be. And why is it always a closed closet? There is a video of cats jumping away from cucumbers. I've seen that. Terry, what? How do you even <laughs> search something like that? How do you even think I about it? seen that? It's hilarious. Jumping away from cucumbers? That doesn't yeah, even make sense. People just sit cucumbers behind cats, and when they turn around, they freak out. It's hilarious. I don't... Uh, anyway, How movie. do you learn that? <laughs> I don't Can we pause this and go to YouTube? I know, you want to. <laughs> I kind of do. It's really hilarious. That's a sweet shirt. You don't. You got one like that, don't you? Wait, is Four, this a different six? girl from the one in the green robe, or is this the same girl? I'm getting confused. They all have similar they, hair. They all look the same. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's hey, they all—they all have. Well, they, these people have different hair, but. Hmm. The girl in the green robe. You're talking about the girl with the little sister. Um. Valerie's her name. There was a sister. I, what? I miss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is the same girl. That was just in the green robe. Right? Because this is the same house. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't know why she was in a robe and now back into the other dress for her. I don't know. You know, girls. With a huge ass packet of Kool Aid right there, man. That's sweet. Oh, nice. oh, yeah. How much sugar? How much sugar? Thanks, Terry. That's not I enough. had to. There you go. No, still not enough. No, still was not enough. She didn't even measure it. It's going to taste like shit now. Yep. Cherry flavored shit. This girl here. The actress is Robin Still, who plays Valerie, and she ended up, like, her story is really bleak. That she ended up committing suicide in, like, the early 90s or something like that. And. Mm. Or mid '90s or something, and uh, <clears throat> I remember. I remember that there was a documentary with the. I think it's the Blu-ray. I think it's this Blu-ray. Yeah, making a slumber party massacre that is dedicated to her, and I was like, dedicated to her? How? And I remember looking her up, <laughs> and her story is really sad about that. But anyway, I think she was in this, and maybe a couple, like a one of the Friday the Thirteenth or something. Hmm, Way to keep the uh, commentary track fun and light. You know what, Mike? <laughs> yeah, back to your glory hole talk. That's good. Yeah, whatever. Pringles. There you go. That's what people are looking for listening to. Pringles and dope. <laughs> See, you stopped the conversation, Mike. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who that blonde looks like. Zoe Bell. Sure. Is that who she I is? I don't know. No. Oh, you're. Oh. From Death Proof, Zoe Bell. Oh, the stunt woman lady. Mm-hmm. 
She kind of looks like a man. That's mean. She has very manly facial features, though. It's she looks like Mike. Bad to look like a man? Mm. Don't put the yes. glass on the burner. What the fuck? Gotcha. <laughs> oh, it was this chick that was in the green robe, because there's the cat. All right. The one she in the purple? Her hair's too similar to the other girl. Vogue. You're just saying things on screen, Mike. Participate in this commentary, please. I wonder if it was cold this day. Oh. Look, mullet. Shirt. <laughs> Blind. Chair. Pant. That is a sweet mullet. Okay. It's not... Her hair's pulled back into a partial. Partial? Hmm. Yeah, like the top part of her hair is just pulled back into a barrette or whatever. Why is the teen wearing Hooters shorts? <laughs> she has skulls. Why is there an amusement ride outside their house? Like a ski lift thing. What? Well, they're all teenagers, and this is supposed to be the younger sister? Like. Oh. <laughs> so, like, how young is she supposed to be? Oh, fuck. Sly Stallone and Playgirl. The Italian Stallion. <laughs> Throw away a perfectly good brick. Plus it goes on top of the lid. You dummy. Yeah. Or maybe in the bottom of the... the can. Yeah, what's what's with the amusement park? Yes. Right? That's what I was saying. I was going to say, they have a, a ski lift in their backyard? I've never noticed that before, but what a bizarre thing. To have Maybe they re they recycled the ski lift seats for a cool swing. So on edge. I mean, I hate taking out the trash, too, but... She's tense because of how tight her pants are, Jason. That must be it. <laughs> when your vulva's being squeezed that tight, it probably does make you a little bit uncomfortable. Speaking of getting comfortable. Oh. oh. Here we go. As an authority on slumber parties, this is not exactly how these always go. No? <laughs> no, I totally is. I'm just fucking with you. This is exactly how it goes. Every single time. Next thing you tell me Santa Claus isn't real. Don't do this to me. Look at these two douchebags outside the window. <laughs> can you, See, imagine? you can't get away with this in a movie nowadays. They would be like considered like sex offenders. Right. This is just like on some list. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Boing. What? <laughs> Sorry. You hear that noise every time. I watch too many trauma movies. <laughs> USA. Is that guy jerking off? What's going on? Yes. Well, the other guy's helping. Yeah. Reach around. Giving him the reach around yet. Reach around massacre. <laughs> <laughs> you can tie it in with this footage. Done. <laughs> Justin Beam's claim to fame, director of Reach Around Massacre. Remember that time people dumped cigarette butts out the window? Uh, yeah, no. never. Who the fuck does this ever? 
And they're like not being very quiet considering it's an open window with no screen on it, like yeah. mere feet away from those girls. I think I want to start. I really think that I need to get into this game of making these exploitation booby films. Yes. I've been such I'm a crewing. student of them all my life. I think I probably know more <laughs> about them than I do literature or anything else. Yeah. Let's dive in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, I'll be the cameraman. I'm not in charge of finding girls to get naked. Cause we, we don't know. always have very good luck with that. No, Mike. <laughs> don't worry. No one was going to put you in charge of that. <laughs> so I don't see anybody else fucking doing it. <laughs> Ooh. Where's our nude scene for Demonica? Yeah, who was, by the way, was the director? Of what, Demonica? Yeah, that's right. I was the director. I wasn't solely yeah. in charge of casting. A for effort. You, you should get, uh, like, a girl to try to get. No, I mean, not me, but. What, did Terry just volunteer? I said not me. Oh. I don't know if that would be more successful or not. What just happened? Snail. Killed a snail. Because a butcher knife? Was... Well, you need to get aggressive once in a while. I mean, if you want to... Why fuck around, Jason? Yeah, you're right. This, so if this movie, this script is supposed to be like a parody of Slashers, was that a parody of the scene in Friday 13th Part 2 where they find the snake in the cabin? <laughs> That's an absolute parody of that. I Mike. knew it. Shot for shot. I knew it. Shot for shot. Using a real snail, just like they used a real snake. Yep, just using a real snail like they used a real snake. I was just going to say that. Here he comes again. Look, he's got like bloodlust for these fucking snails. The bit bit fell out of his drill. Hey, let's just not get too... Sorry. He's got more than one. Might be kind of hard to get out of his neck. Those are expensive. These guys are drinking Michelob. They're fucking it up. Would. You want to know a good? Oh, movie. I didn't see you there. Let me tell you who. Well, yeah, Zane. You know who does this right right now? A guy that I, that I love his cinema is Henrik Kuto. Do you guys remember meeting Henrik at B Movie Celebration the year that it was an absolute failure? He was <laughs> the guy with the crazy mustache in the lobby. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yep. Henrik has made a series of films that are all just a lot of fun. Ultra low budget. He has kind of a stable of actors that he works with. But his, I think, biggest success so far is one called Babysitter Massacre. That, oh, yeah, you were talking about that. Yeah. That I feel fits in this cycle very comfortably. And he's, I mean, he completely gets why people show up to these movies. <clears throat> he delivers from front to back on it. Okay. The acting isn't... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, please continue. I just have a question when you're done. He, he... he, It's more than just inserting elements with it. Like, he really tries to aim for the vibe of these movies. And I really appreciate that. But and they're not... It's not self-parody or satirical, is it? It's not... No, not at all. They no, play it, straight, it, it, much it like... Plays straight. Much like, um, I'm blanking on his name now, the guy from Minnesota. The doll. Who the did monster the, uh, movies. Yeah. yeah, who yep. did the giant spider. That's the key, man. Chris That's Moon. the key to making these things work these days after audiences have had decades of being inundated with it and exploring the backwaters and all that. You have to do more than just sort of pick and choose the elements you want or, or ape them or anything like that. Like, it needs to be genuine. And I love that Henrik's approach 
is with that same kind of earnest. Uh, it's the same mentality that these movies came from. So yeah, I, that's I, what I, that's what we do need more of. Because anymore, it's just like anything that's a tribute. One feels like a tribute and not just right. a movie from that era. And then two, it's usually in a satirical tone. Right. Almost. And, and, and a lot of those end up making, like the scary movie films, kind of are making fun of the audience a little bit. And I appreciate when movies don't do that. When they get the elements right mm-hmm. and it makes you feel like these films. And that's one of the, like the new Star Wars, for example. That could have been playing on elements of what made the original Star Wars cool, but instead it finds the root of what made those movies work from practical effects to a number of other fronts and that's why that feels so good walking out of the theater and that's what i think of henrique's especially babysitter massacre and i've seen a couple others others of his but i really think babysitter massacre is the home run that he hit it has its flaws but if anyone's listening to this and wants to explore something else that's related a contemporary genre film that's a lot of fun i would or a slasher film that's a lot of fun. I'd say Babysitter Massacre is worth the trip. I'd like to check it out. Has he got any distribution? Yeah, he's through EI. Oh, nice. Okay. And so it's on the Alternative Cinema site. It's also, you know, Amazon, things like that, I'm sure. I like how they like to try to make that younger sister look so much younger by like giving her a lollipop and making her act like a baby but she's like the same age as everyone else <laughs> well yeah <laughs> like that girl on the far left here's a damn thing on that phone call <laughs> <laughs> she's laughing like <laughs> what they said it's like what a bat hearing. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think the lights went off. Far out. This is a weird franchise, too, mm-hmm. that the second one strays so far from this. And, and the second one is probably the closest thing in the wake of Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and 3, after Freddy became what he, you know, sort of the humorous yeah. whatever. That movie, Freddy's turn from demonic pedophile into hilarious ringmaster i think had a tremendous impact on horror as a whole oh and there's a number of movies that riff on that but i think none of them are very few if any are more directly influenced by freddy than slumber party 2 dude yeah that that's almost like a whole subgenre in and of itself i'm surprised somebody hasn't named it yet like a you know the freddy ripoff genre because you got you got like um Slumber Party Massacre 2. You could even say uh, a Hello Mary Lou Prom Night 2. Um, yeah. Uh, the horror show. Even Shocker. 
Oh, yeah, just... the wise, the, the the wise cracking killer. Bad dreams. Just, just there was a ton of them in that era that was all trying to come up with the new Freddy Krueger. But the problem was, is what made Freddy Krueger Freddy Krueger is that it was a unique story that nobody else had done. Well, I think that inserting more humor is a natural reaction to, especially a cycle of films that are really heavy. Yep. So I think that's the way Scream worked. Because yeah. Scream came after a, 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 conf, a very confused half a decade of weird... Like, like horror was in such a weird period from 91 to 95, 94, 95. And things had gotten so serious and weird and focused on effects and sort of out there that it needed some levity. And that's part of what made Scream such an, an attractive offering is that you could sit there and laugh and it had the horror elements as a part of it but it completely nailed the humor from front to back and so I think that humor is a natural reaction and the first Nightmare on Elm Street is one of the bleakest slasher films ever like it's such a dark movie to watch when you consider what he did to those kids and just how the whole thing is presented I mean it's overall just one of the darkest films in all of horror and masterfully handled but the way he destroys these kids' lives, is, it, it's not funny at all. And, and, and for him to take that turn after part two and start cracking the jokes and all that stuff was weird. It, it, it's weird if you consider what the first film was compared to, let's just say, the fourth. And then from that point forward. Oh, yeah. But, but how tremendously influential. Mm-hmm. That's why I think, like... The uh, new nightmare is one of is probably. I'm always on a toss up between the first movie and new nightmare, mainly because new nightmare was the one I saw first in the entire franchise. But because that one kind of goes back to the darker roots of the original, there's still a little levity, but it's way darker than any of the other sequels. There is an overabundance of false scares in this movie. <laughs> like they are really racking up the false the false jump scares. Uh. Nah, <laughs> cat. Can I? Oh, Was this perfect ten? It's perfect ten, right? Yep, that's perfect ten right there. Michael Myers. <laughs> I'm pretending it's Adam. Adam. Terry. Oh. Just yeah, he does kind of. Just a friend. Oh. <laughs> obvious door squeak is obvious. Yeah, that was an ADR. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure of it. She's so young, guys. It's crazy. Clearly, what, 12? If that. Clearly. Yeah. 
best actress in the whole movie, by far. It's totally Joni Cunningham. <laughs> Where's the light, that light coming from? <laughs> yeah. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I mean, though. When I talk about how, especially slasher films, but horror films in general, really make teenagers the focal point. And part of why it's so easy to attach ourselves to these films when we are teenagers is because of the fact that they, that we spend so much time with them. Mm-hmm. Like we're seeing, we're just, yeah. none of, almost none of what we've seen for the last 20 minutes has been necessary to the story. Well, there you go. All of a sudden I <laughs> no longer hear but, what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Nice insert shot too, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Clearly, Clearly not the same girl. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we but we spend the running time with with these kids, and we're with them in the moments that are not necessarily exciting or story motivating or you know whatever. It's not all exposi- it's not all exposition stuff. It's just existing stuff, and that's part. Like chainsaws, the same way where. Not every scene is leading to something else. You're just with these people in this moment. I really think that's part of what makes this cinema special. Well, and is what makes this cinema special to us is because we saw these films at that age, at that teenage age, so we could relate more. Age. And do you find it more difficult age now today to relate to the horror movies of today being older? I don't. Or you just like them for different reasons now, or it's a yeah, different connection. Yeah. I think it's a different connection. Yeah, I, I really do. I think that it's like anything else where, <clears throat> like when you first—I don't know how to—the the only analogy I can draw is music. Where when you first start playing an instrument, it's because you were driven there because of things that you just really loved, and so you listen to music, and you didn't need to know the mechanics of it. You didn't need to know what written-out music looked like or what rudiments even meant as a drummer or anything like that. You just knew you loved the music and maybe were attracted to a oh, certain fuck. element of it. <clears throat> nice cutaway. Yeah. How about just and get out sim- of the fucking car? And it's similar here. Like, back then, we didn't... We were not... It didn't matter that we didn't know what was what. It didn't matter that we hadn't already seen this movie or this movie. Like... Yeah. It was just a movie, and it was something that excited us. And I think that there's a natural openness at that. Alex, that's a penis. <laughs> or a cool shot. So, did you think he used the drill to cut the kid's head off? That'd be tough. Yeah, I don't know. Just trying to think about it. Hmm. I don't think he could. Take a while. It'd be really messy. Yeah, I mean, and it would have 
there's no way it would have been that clean of a cut if you yeah. did it with the drill. Like, there's no way. Oh, yeah. There'd be meaty chunks everywhere. Ow. What? Oh, the coach is in the green robe. God, why do they Terry. all have similar hair? I'm still figuring it out. I've, I've seen this before, too. Oh, all God. of the brunettes have that same hair, and it confuses me. Girls with their hair. Fucking hair. Ah! Uh, finally, they all have something to be scared about. Maybe react. I like how right away they drag the body inside. Yeah, I'm like, like the first thing we should do is fuck with this crime scene. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably push it outside. Out yeah, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> walk away. So, Justin, you lived in California. Do houses not have screen screen windows? I'm quite serious in saying they do not. Okay. There's no bugs. Yeah, I was going to say bug population. Well, see, and I thought maybe that was a real thing that, you know, <laughs> yeah. in areas of the country, there's no screen on windows. Well, it's like there's the certain areas of the country, there's no basements in houses, too. All of which I find baffling. <laughs> so you've had a beef with this movie for these many years because. Oh, not just this movie. Wow, movies. Like, where's the screen? You're gonna get mosquitoes. Seriously, Hooters shorts. Maybe that this movie inspired Hooters. <laughs> or Hooters is a tribute to this. Dudes, she is supposed. She is. She's supposed to be like 16. She is 37 and? playing 12 years old, guys. Get your minds out of the gutter. <laughs> get your minds confused in the gutter. <laughs> Hooters in training. Ah. Uh. Maybe. I don't know if there were already Hooters restaurants back then or not. These guys are fucking nuts, though. I mean, like, how wild the party animals are these two guys who show up in polo shirts? <laughs> <laughs> like, you girls want to fuck shit up? Welcome to the party. Tucked in polo shirts. Look at all the floral prints in this room. And lots of close talking. Fuck? Like, hey, yeah, like this... that, that's totally how Mike and Jason talk to you. For those who haven't ever been near Mike and Jason when they're out in public... They sit so close when they talk. I mean, shoulders touching, hands on each other's knees. This is exactly yeah. what Sitting it is. Sitting on a bed. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bed. No. I like don't as know. close to making out as you can be without actually making out. Oh yeah, their breath smells the same as a result of decades <laughs> of sitting so close to each other. Yeah. And I only know that from cuddling my with them myself when they go to conventions <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, make a make a burrito, boys. <laughs> Climb into bed. I throw that fucking Jason Goes to Hell Blu-ray out or DVD away. <laughs> Give me some time, Mike. I say. Give me some of those soft, so those soft video game rental hands. You know what do? I don't know. <laughs> so this is one of those scenarios. There's what six of them in the house? Five of them? They, why don't they all just leave together? It's one against five. Better odds, yeah, if they just all flee. 
Because, Mike, it's a movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sometimes you don't think clearly. Oh, that's me! Ah. <laughs> Your phone's not ringing. What? Confusing. Wait, what? How did she answer? Did she that? talk? Did she call somebody I... that's on television? <laughs> that's very She's confusing. Talking to somebody on the TV. That's some new way of future shit. Is that a live feed? Maybe it was a Skype. That's really fucked up. Duck, duck. See, beating off that door. Because. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what she's watching. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she's not into answering doors. You have to. I think they were it. trying to make it seem like it was maybe part of the movie, but there was no dude screaming for help in the movie, so I don't know. I like how he's just there. <laughs> and she has no peripheral vision, apparently. Yeah. Oh, it's maximum overdrive. Switching up the weapons. Life imitates art. Duck, duck. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Noose? Huh? Uh, no. That wasn't good. <laughs> I want that light. No, you don't. Okay, I don't. I know I have the loudest phone, silent phone ever. <laughs> See, cordless. I'm seriously going to have to research the invention of cordless drills and see what year. I hear her typing. She's really looking. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> Four dead bodies. Ah, 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 ah. And a snail. Kill it.
Which one again did you say committed suicide in the 90s? The older sister who was, was refusing to answer the door a minute ago. Oh. Okay. I think she's the hottest one in the movie, too. She's hungry. Yeah, well, yeah. We you talk negative about the dead, Mike. How's being hot negative? Just kidding. You're a necrophile. Uh, a little bit. Look at that pizza. Yuck. Oops. That brown circle. And I've had pizza that, yes, that, uh, you know, leaves grease spots through the through the box, but never like a tar stain on the top of the box. A tar stain. It's the tar man pizza. <laughs> Come down to Tarman's. Pizza. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> we deliver it slowly, but it'll show up really wet. <laughs> All the cheese will be shifted to one side because the way he moves. <laughs> Fucking Tarman's pizza. Let's do that. <laughs> Guaranteed. Put a Tumwa on the map. Guaranteed to your home 30 days or less. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. sauce called Trioxin. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So, so this is this whole scene has been a Charlie's Angels tribute, right? From the that fireplace to here. Or yes, you could have saved his life. He's going to get attacked by the cameraman. Do you think this film would play to the youth of today? Or do you think we were more tolerant of slow burns than now? I don't know. It's so... Well, I, I said this before, and maybe it was last episode, but I remember seeing Friday the 13th on the big screen one year at CRIF. Because it's one year it started, Chris started on Friday the 13th, so they had a 35 millimeter print of the first Friday the 13th movie. And it was full of teens and stuff and just laughing their asses off through the whole movie. Like through the whole movie. So, but I also equate it back to like, you know, so sometimes I think like they, they the kids of today don't get it, get these movies because they aren't fast and crazy and as the movies have paced today, you know, the acting isn't as strong as the acting of today. Character development, a lot of times, especially this movie, is non-existent. So, but then I also think back to my own movie going, my, my own discovery of movies in my teenage years. And, and, you know, I loved the Universal Monster stuff for what they were, even though that wasn't what was the type of movies that were made in my day as a teenager. But even I can even remember watching Evil Dead for the very first time and hating it. I thought it was shoddy and horrible, and I didn't get it. But nowadays, I love that movie. So I think it, it has a lot to do with, like, you know, if you're, if you're falling in love with the genre in general as a whole of a lot of self-discovery and appreciation of these movies, and it may not always happen... With the first viewing. I mean, we could probably all say there was a movie that we didn't connect with the, fir the first time we watched it. and then, But 
we love it nowadays. Well, I think that the first cordless drills were in the early 80s, so it's actually feasible (laughs) that this is happening. So now I'm a little disappointed. Because I think it was better before when I thought it was impossible. (laughs) Can we make part four of this this franchise and have it be a corded drill? It keeps coming unplugged. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Maybe Mike's script. He's done that in the movie already. I have. We made a... uh, in my Gorgang years, we made a Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoff, um, our own Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, and my father had a corded chainsaw, which we'd use for all the indoor scenes, and that way gas, you know, gasoline smoke wasn't filling up the house. And so, so you just see this giant orange cord trailing behind me as I'm running along as Leatherface. Thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening. Galileo. Galileo. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you were tiny door or giant girl. Mm. <laughs> you be the judge. <laughs> You had such a good point going. Well, no one responded to it. So well, Terry <laughs> had her funny noises. Yeah, Terry short through that one. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Way to break the condom, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the new phrase? Because I love I it. I love it, yes. Way to break the condom. I like that. I'm going to write that one down. I'm not going to write not. it down. <laughs> Dick. But what do you think? I mean, is that do you th- do you find that to be true? Do you have memories of that at all? I really don't know. I, I think that when I when we were coming up, that we were open to any and everything, and our early exposure to this stuff was in little slower films, because a lot of the I don't know. Well, do you think that's the problem? Is this straight up pacing? Movies are too fast paced today no, you don't I think, think the, teen, I, the teens of today can have a lot of that self discovery of these older films and appreciate I, them I think that, that the reason I asked it is because I think it's just a horseshit stereotype because I think that <laughs> sure. people refer to like quote unquote MTV editing and stuff like I don't think that tiny girl, tiny door or giant girl <laughs> I don't know if it's really a thing if because every generation are the, the new you know the kids today and whatever, but you know what? They're no different than us. I really don't think they are. I think they have exposure to more media. The difference is that they can be more selective about what they watch. So if they have one, if there's one caveat in that discussion, it would be if, if there's an asterisk that would lead you down to a footnote that said, "But kids today can watch whatever the fuck they want whenever they want." Like we were bound to whatever we spent our two dollars or whatever it was renting, and so we were more committed to the experience. And so we were more likely to sit through something like this, where if you're, if you're bored and starting to doze off 10 minutes into a film, like you may, you know, some people may with this one, if it was on, it's not the most action-packed thing. You're, you're more likely now to hit, to go back to the main menu on Netflix and try to find something that may be more fun or whatever, action-packed or what have you. So I don't think it's an epidemic involving 
the generation today. I think it's the things that the generation has a access to. This is also the time, Mike, where we, and I was looking at your video shelves the other day, thinking about the fact that you never ordered from online. Yeah. That everything you have is from catalog or it's from local. Dis and despite that, your collection is absolutely amazing. It's mind-boggling. And that takes me back to the days of Cinema Under Wasteland and these other catalogs that I used to order out of. And so it wasn't just like, what am I in the mood for right now? Play. It was, what am I in the mood for? Research. Mm -hmm. Tracking it down. Yeah. Saving the money. Ordering. Waiting. Opening the mail. Making an event. So when a film finally showed up two weeks later, sometimes ten weeks later, depending on what asshole you ordered from, <laughs> it would show up in some unmarked case, and you're like, this is it. Like, this is fucking necro Necromantic 2. Yeah. I finally get to see ne Necromantic 2. And then you put it, and you, you, would, you would invite a buddy over or two, and you'd be like, all right, tonight's like marathon night. We're going to watch this, this, and this. But you were com we were committed to it in a way that audiences today don't have to be. So I'm not saying that kids today have a shorter attention span. I think that's bullshit. And I'm not saying that they eat fast-paced. I think that's also bullshit. I, I think it's just uh, the availability of what's out there it means that they can... So it makes it more disposable? Them. More disposable. Not yeah. in a negative aspect. Not in a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. like, because I think that we all grew as horror fans as well. So I'm going to be honest with you. When we were kids around this time, I was looking for bigger, bloodier more nudity, whatever it might be, I was mm -hmm. more likely to watch something like, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, we, well, we're all trauma fans here. That kind of stuff was breakneck pace for a lot of those films and just crazy over the top. Yeah. And the slasher films were increasingly more that way as well during this time frame. So I, I was always more into bigger and louder and bloodier and whatever it might be sure. at that time. But as time went on, and you read more about this, and you come to appreciate the subtleties of what made the classics classics, and you look for more of that in what came after it, the junk food sort of accoutrement that hang off of a lot of these films that were the real crazy, frantic movies, you lose interest in that. And I think that you end up refining your taste down to what you originally fell in love with, or what makes the classic films, the big, memorable films, truly amazing and different and that's usually subtleties so this goes back to my argument about remakes that I really do believe fridge gag mm -hmm. where do you put all the shelves <laughs> at, again it's a movie the, the, that with remakes I am a firm believer that a remake leads people to the source material I really think that's the case I think when someone watches Chainsaw oh, yeah. Massacre remake they're likely to search for Chainsaw Massacre online and they're going to know that it was a remake Anyway, and then they're probably going to watch that original film, and then that's going to lead them to Gunnar Hansen, which may lead them to Chainsaw Hookers, which may lead them to, I mean, you know what I mean? That was, these are the roads yeah. that we took, and I don't think that changes. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Absolutely. Can't remember the actor that plays the killer, but. You know, IMDb trivia said that he purposely didn't interact with any of the cast members to kind of keep that whole method going, so that they really would be terrified of him. Some loose carpet, man. Yeah, it's because you don't want to get blood on the real carpet in the house. They laid down a bunch of fake. 
You could, yeah, that? you could see it wrinkled up there. You could see yeah, the seam right bad. there. There's another seam. That's horrible. Is this a prescribed films movie or what? I was going to say, you totally killed my Katie joke. I was going to say, wasn't that Katie's method on demonic oh, too? I think so. You can cut out, Jason. No, can't. <laughs> because I won't. Well, it's... It's a running time in the movie. I messed it up. Yeah, I can't. He wouldn't anyway, so don't worry about it. Pizza? Who wears the hat when they're delivering? The little paper hat. How did the hat, hat stay on after he fell down the stairs? That's a good point. Good night. <laughs> Very nightmare on Elm Street-ish there, even though it's not a body bag. And she doesn't have slugs and snakes crawling out of her mouth. <laughs> oh shit. Ah, uh, coach. They're all obviously the same girl. The <laughs> I know, they look so similar. But she's obviously the coach because she has a Speedo shirt on. And in real life, she's younger than half of the teenagers in the Yeah, family. she's like the same age as everyone. Don't do it. Don't. How rude, walking to a house and just... He's taking a nap, man. Don't do it. But, but we know what's under there. You know, this guy's really good. He doesn't need a mask. He's pretty creepy looking on his own. You know what he kind of reminds me of, uh, Justin? Hopefully you'll understand his reference. He kind of looks like the dude from um, Blood Feast. Oh, yeah. With the crazy eyes and white hair. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, stepping it up from a power drill to a table saw. That is, oh okay. Uh -huh. I was gonna say it's a cordless too. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good idea to run with a running power tool. Yeah, why not wait to turn it on till you get <laughs> into the vicinity <laughs> of the killer? <clears throat> there are plugins upstairs. Wait, are all the teens, all the girls in the other house dead now? I can't remember. Um, no, I don't think the... Did the main girl get killed? Nope, there she is. Trish the dish. Speedo shirt. 
Oh. Thought she was going for the rake there for a second. Or that giant thing above there. What is that? I didn't see it. Oh, it talks. <gasps> Want some, Joshua? That's what he should have said. <laughs> have this weird in, innate desire to make every movie into Troll 2. <laughs> <laughs> there should be an app for that, for like Roku, like the Troll 2 app where it inserts elements of Troll 2 into every movie you want. Just take the dialogue and overdub it. Oh my god, he's killing her! <laughs> and they're gonna kill me! Eating. It's eating. Oh, eating. Oh my, my god! god. You and your little boys. Oh, man, that girl. I want that Aries shirt that she's wearing in that scene, too. I think it's Aries, isn't it? I don't remember. Oh, the is it the Garfield shirt? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, it's like it's a Garfield shirt, but it has like yeah. Garfield with the Aries horns on, and he's like. I think it was. What? Yeah, that could happen. Sure. Uh-huh. It was already weak because of all the drilling he's been doing. That's what... No. He's rubbing it before she gets her hands on it. Now he's like, ah, oh, well, here we go. <laughs> what? What? Okay. I like how throughout the movie he remains committed to denim. Like, thoroughly committed to denim. It's his thing. He's running around killing people, surely sweating, but he keeps that denim jacket on because it matches his jeans. Gotta keep it classy with the Canadian tuxedo. That's right. (laughs) Menstrual pool. We need to talk about the the score in this movie. The The the, organ? The The church organ? Yeah. It's like, it's more of like a classic horror movie score set to this like crazed, sla- crazy, crazy 80s slasher movie. It's very unique in that. I was just kidding about being dead. <laughs> the special effect on my gut is washed away. Kelly's gonna hit a bitch. She runs with that knife. Nice screen. Classic. Cross eyed. That was fast. Close-ups of each of them crying. I would love it if there was a close-up of the cat right now. (laughs) Or the hand. That's it. Over. 
Man, that was Slumber Party Massacre, everybody. It's so full of slumber and massacres. Yeah. And not much party, surprisingly. I think you've got an odd definition of party, because they were reading newspapers, mm-hmm. and they were smoking the dubes. Oh, yeah. There's pizza. There's yep. pizza. You're right, you're right. That's strawberry right. daiquiris. Without the daiquiri. <laughs> this is off the hook, Carney. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mike, essential viewing for the uninitiated in the world of slasher cinema is this essential? Um, I think so. It, I definitely think it has an important mark in the in the world of slasher in the world of eighty slashers. Again, you have the uh, the novelty of it of being written by a woman and directed by a woman. And being part of a franchise that got a lot of scrutiny for being exploited against women. Um, you got the unique weapon of the power drill. Again, I think um, I, I find it very interesting of going with against tradition of showing the killer's face right away. And having a killer, well, just, just dressed in den- denim and no crazy hockey mask or... Or any other kind of mask or burlap sack or anything like that. I think it's I think it's a pretty crucial watch um, as far as as eighties. What do you think? Yeah, I think if you're trying to be a completist in the experience of what sort of the roots of the slasher subgenre, I think it's I think it's essential. I think as a horror film as a whole, if you were to make a list of key slasher films. I think I'm not sure that this would be one of the top ones. Do you think it'd make at least maybe top ten, or I think it would make top ten. I think so. And and if it stood by itself, if there wasn't a franchise behind it, um, I I don't know. I it's it's relatively faceless in the sort of wash of movies of this time. It doesn't really have a lot of really unique elements to it, Mm -mm. but. And it's hard for us to look at this stuff without nostalgia and without looking back because, sure, yeah. as we talked about earlier, you know, this is a movie that played a role in that education for us, the early education. But if I was to point to a Slumber Party Massacre film to watch, I think that it would be it would be this one. I think it, the, I think your idea about uh, if someone were to do a focus on the in the wake of Freddy world i think that the second one would be essential there and the third one is just a straight up humorless low budget slasher film i mean the third one is almost more rootsy than this one here in that it just presents such a stark presentation of just death Mm -hmm. have you seen the third one yeah and i barely remember it um i need to rewatch it but I, i think in that regard it just doesn't stand out for me because it is, it, you know, it is pretty humorless. Um, it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty cookie cutter. Doesn't really offer too much. It makes it stand out. Where, where this one's got a lot of humor in it, whether it's intentional or not. Right. Um, which is, which kind of makes it stand out for me more. But, 
trying to think of other ones that would be that would be essential slashers. I mean, the original Friday Thirteenth, the original Halloween. Those would obviously be in Prom there. Night. Prom Night. Would you put Black Christmas on that on that list? I would. I think, but I, uh, I, you know, what's weird. As when I was younger and I was reading about horror and really learning about it through the books, Black Christmas didn't come up that much. It didn't seem. It well, seems yeah, like it wasn't time for me that either. has become. Yeah. 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 Kind of like I mean, and I read everything, and it wasn't until like I think Chaz, um, Chaz Balin in an episode of Gore Zone did a full retrospect on Bob Clark's career from the 70s mm-hmm. is when I really first learned about Black Christmas and then I still couldn't find the movie till I was in college oh yeah yeah it wasn't that common yeah. I think that one is relatively but I don't I think that the fact that it involves some slasher elements uh, I don't know I now consider it essential to that but it wasn't of this time it, I mean no. I I associate the cycle from Halloween forward and, I'm with you. I don't know. And that's why I ask, because I, I go both ways on because it predates all of that. Um, yeah. But it's so much more of a gothic suspense-type film. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it isn't gratuitous in almost any aspect at all. No. It really isn't. I mean, no. it, it, it stands outside. It, it would, okay, if I can make an anal- another analogy to music, it would be how Stone Temple Pilots have been lumped in with the grunge thing. <laughs> okay, but yeah. they're so different than that, and they really do stand outside of it. There's something much more special and unique than what they're sort of generalized as being a part of. I always felt that way about that band. And Black Christmas is a thing that, yeah, it may have been some source material for a lot of what came later, but it's it's a it's a brighter film than a lot of this. <clears throat> a lot of the day after Halloween's and you know endless cycle of. Uh, sequels and low-budget slasher movies. I don't know. I think it sort of sits outside that world. I think Maniac would be a good one to put on that list too. Yeah, because that one's that one's outside the box of kind of what was happening at that time with slashers, really. And Twitch of the Death Nerve too. Yeah, I was thinking you got to have Bob in there because a lot of that, a lot of the the tropes kind of started with with that film. More than Black Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and it even Black... predates Black Christmas. Right, yeah. Uh, but then directly lifted from that film are a lot of the kills in fr- some of the Friday the 13th oh, films, yeah. in particular part two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what about Sleepaway Camp? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's an essential. And it's rare in that it, it puts the kids about the kids. Mm-hmm. It's not about 25-year-olds shaving their mustaches and pretending to be teenagers. It's like, <laughs> it's a movie about kids. And that, that, that to me, as a, when I was young, talk about introduction to this stuff, there was no movie that was more grounded in the reality of being a kid in the, in the horror world at that time outside of Monster Squad than Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. Yeah, and unlike Monster Squad or, or any other horror movie that had kids involved... It didn't feel it didn't feel safe when it came toward when it comes towards the kids. Right. Like you watch Monster Squad, you know those kids are going to survive. Yeah. You know when they introduce um, 
I'm trying to think of another movie with a kid in it. Um, you know, anytime they introduce, well, like, okay, like Return Living Dead Part Mm Two, they have that kid in there. Well, you know, you know that kid's gonna be okay. You know, even though there's like zombies taking over the world, that that kid's gonna be okay. You know, that that was kind of what it what it was like in the '80s once a kid was involved. But Sleepaway Camp was was totally like anybody could go in any minute. And being of that age really made that movie feel far more dangerous. There aren't many movies like that. No. It's, that's part of what I think is a huge contributing factor to the enduring legacy of Sleepaway Camp. Is that it is one of the rare films that spends the time with the kids and also where the kids aren't protected by adults. Mm-hmm. And where they don't have somewhere to run that is within sort of safer confines because they're absolutely exposed to whatever they're at the mercy of whatever's out there whether it's angela or whatever the fuck you know it's the element of surprise and um and that's just the thing i mean it's so unusual even in comedy comedy is the is is the genre i would say that has given kids the most running time historically but even there it's it's a less real portrayal of the day-to-day, minute-to-minute experience than a lot of than, than the movies in the horror genre that get it right. And I think the Friday, yeah. or rather, uh, Sleepaway Camp is one of those. I can't honestly think of very many others that are like that. I think that Stephen King's It would fit in that category, where it's yeah, kids maybe. that you feel on you you feel uneasy because you know that they're all on the list. Yeah, and. <clears throat> the adults are no sanctuary in that film. They really aren't. In fact, the adults are completely, <laughs> almost entirely irrelevant to the story. Mm-hmm. And so, um, different seasons. Um, yeah, I'm with, I can't think of uh, Stand By Me. Stand oh, by yeah, me. Stand By Me, yeah. It's not a horror film, but at the same time, there's... There's a certain recklessness to what these kids are doing, and mm-hmm. it's something that a lot of us did, like I did it when I was a kid. Took those walks down the tracks at night with my friends and whatever it might be. And we went on adventures we probably shouldn't have, but yeah. never anything as, as sort of rooted in darkness as going to find a body. Yeah. And never when you're being stalked by some hoodlum assholes who could pop out of the woods at any time. And so you didn't know what these kids were going into. And it, yeah, people are like, Stephen King wrote that? Well, when you sit back and think about it, fuck yeah, Stephen King wrote that. Like, it's the core of what makes Stephen King work, is that these people in everyday and environments can be, and, and without a killer, mm-hmm. it can still yeah. be positively scary in moments. And these kids, and, and it's all about vulnerability. That's the key. It's the same thing in Sleepaway Camp, same thing in Stand By Me, and in a lot of these movies. And Mike, you hit it right in the head. Monster Squad is a penultimate youth film for horror fans yeah. but the kids are always safe mm-hmm. yeah absolutely <clears throat> anyway. sweet well I think that about wraps things up you guys have anything else you want to add what about the burning would that make essentials list I think so, without a doubt. Sweet, good. That was one my of my bloody favorites. Valentine. What's that? My bloody Valentine. Yeah, for my sure. My bloody Valentine. Okay, yeah. yeah. 
I just want to make a list of essential slasher, 80 slashers. You don't and haven't done that a hundred times in your life already? I know. I have. Another episode. Happy birthday to me. Slashers. Mm. Have we done a slashers episode? How have we never done a slasher? Oh, shit. Put that on the plate for this year. Doing slashers. Yeah, I don't think happy birthday to me. But the next episode should be our 2015 award show, right? Better be. (laughs) (laughs) People are chomping at the bits to find out what we we liked and disliked. Chomp. They want to know. I'm just just dying again a huge... Where I feel like most of the show is going to be a huge debate about Green Inferno. <laughs> With John. Look you just want it that. to be, Amy. He, did, he, he does or does not like it. He does not. But he likes Knock Knock. It's going to be a big so, Eli Roth battle. Yeah, you guys are we? backwards on both of those films. So. Yep. Spoiler alert. It's an ultimate cage fighting match. That's right. <laughs> So we have to have John on the show. That's right. That's right. That was that's why when we were talking about talking about this morning, I was quick to jump at like, now nah, let's do something else. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks everybody for being on. Watching a little bit of Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. It's been a while since we've had you on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No problem. Hope you had as much fun as I did. Heck yeah. Yeah. All right, and everybody out there listening, stay tuned soon. Best of 2015 coming at you. Hopefully. But until then, <laughs> we'll scream at you later. Oh no, could this be the end of? What? Attack of the Killer Podcast.